Today we are going to be talking about Baby Driver, Despicable Me 3, Okja, and in our Tube Talk segment we're going to be talking about The Killing, so stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. And today, I am here with Joel, Mr. Bubbles Cunningham. (laughs) Mr. Bell. Is that the monkey? No. I'm actually referring to carbonated beverages, but whatever. Oh, I I would think there's there's a movie or a show or something with a monkey named Mr. Bubbles. Then you can be that. You can be that monkey. I can be the monkey. Yes. I can be that monkey, baby. (laughs) That was a song from Enrique Iglesias. But hero. Be your monkey. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) And I am here with Matt. Paint me like one of your French girls. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just watch Titanic or something or what? No, it's because we're talking about the French water. Oh. Oh, that's right. Got a Perrier. Which we're sipping on because we couldn't get anything better. I, Not I the pronounce bad, it. But I pronounce it perrier. Perrier. <laughs> perrier. I don't even want to d- dignify yes. <laughs> what that sounds like, but like, because uh, it's French water. It's yes. French mineral water. So I think it's pronounced perrier. Perrier. Uh, perrier. Okay, so, so I'll just yeah. call it perrier. Anyway, yeah. I'm drinking uh, perrier. Drinking um, our career, and so I thought of French water. French and girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And Mr. Bubbles, well, thank you so much for enlightening on this on, on that topic. Do um, I have to call you? Pay me like one of my French. <laughs> no, like one of my French get girls. way too long. Yeah, unless you can come up with an acronym in two seconds. One, two. Okay, Gee, too late. Um, so, <laughs> moving right along. If you're new, to the real review, guys. This is the real review, um, where you get some of basically. Uh, the fan side of uh, movie reviews and the critic side. We have Joel, who's pretty critical, analytical, can be negative at times, but is, is very insightful when it comes yeah. to some of the details. Then you have someone like myself, who is maybe a little bit more emotionally driven, a little bit more feelings driven. In uh, in I tend to grade something maybe bo- more based off of how I feel as opposed to if the cinematography is awesome or not. Although I do appreciate those things. Mm-hmm. But so we kind of let those things work against each other and then we bring it to, you know, a nice solid yeah. meeting place in the middle. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So that's how that works. Circle of film. Right. <laughs> um, if you uh, if you're you're new to the show, actually we have a lot of different ways that we can get connect that you can get connected to us. Uh, Joel, Mr. Bubbles Cunningham, yes. why don't you go ahead and uh, <laughs> Well, <everybody>. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Palafafig. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it out. It's Mr. Palafa fake. Okay. I, I don't know if I like that, but okay, go ahead. Well, I'm going to stick with it because I like it. All right. <laughs> so some good ways to get connected here on the podcast. Uh, if you really don't like it, just let me know. I did. Stop I did you let Mr. you know. No, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, realviewmedia.com. Great way to get connected on the website. We've got a newsletter there. And then we have our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash realreviewmedia. Instagram and Twitter, both good places to get connected, which are at realreviewmedia. Real, always, as always, spelled R-E-E-L. And then we love to hear from you, our listeners. Uh, get some information about you know what you're liking, what you're not liking, thoughts on films. Drop us a line, realreviewmedia at gmail.com. Yeah. 
That's it. That's perfect. Mr. Balafa. <laughs> <laughs> I can Thanks. hardly say it without Thanks smiling. for that breakdown, Mr. Bubble. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great way you can do that. Let's actually uh, get into this because I'm actually excited to talk about what we got a chance to see this weekend. For once, we actually had a really good weekend for films, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we had some good stuff coming out. So, we're talking about three films today. Yes. Baby Driver, Despicable Me, and Okja. Yeah, Okja. And then after that, we're going to have a little break thing and then get into the tube talk. With yeah. The so, um, um, let's, let's start right off with... The, the latest from Edgar Wright. We have Baby Driver. Yes. Um, I'll go ahead and give the breakdown and then uh, I'll kind of kick it to you for your thoughts. I think I'm really curious to hear kind of yeah. what you have going on. Yeah. So, uh, Baby Driver, after being coerced into working for a crime boss, a young getaway driver finds his, himself taking part in a heist doomed to fail, directed and written by Edgar Wright. And there's a number of people in this film. You have Ansel Elgort, John Bernthal, John Hamm, uh, Elza, Isa, Gonzalez, <laughs> Micah Howard, Lily James, Morgan Brown, Kevin Spacey, uh, Jamie Foxx as well. And um, man, what yeah. did you think of this thing? I loved it. This is like a really good one to start with because I think, you know, we're going to talk about the three films. This one, I just, I really love this one. Um, we've talked about Edgar Wright in the past and about a number of his different films. One of my favorites is Scott Pilgrim vs. World. I loved pretty much everything he did with the Cornello trilogy, and which I still don't know if that's the pronunciation for that ice cream, but we'll have to look <laughs> that up after this. But I really enjoy Edgar Wright's productions. I feel like he's got a quirkiness that isn't, it's not as like intense as like a, um, I can't think of it, like Moonrise Kingdom type quirkiness, but it's not quite as intense. It's more of a stylistic, instead of the world being changed, it's more of a presentation of the editing style and the music and the thematic elements coming together to present the film and the story in a different way. But the characters are uh, fun and engaging, but they're like normal people. Whereas like in a film like, uh, you know, Moonrise Kingdom or something like that, I'm forgetting the director's name. Uh, Wes Anderson. Uh, Wes Anderson, duh. I was going to say Paul W. And that's not yeah. it. So, uh, Wes Anderson, he's got like his characters are over the top, his Shooting styles over the top in a fun way. I love his films yeah. too, but like there, there's similar quirkiness in me to in my mind. But this is a bit more grounded. Um, and I, I, there was just so many good things about this film that I really loved. Um, so yeah, I'm like almost thinking if I should start with the bads. But um, the the things that I really I'm, I want to start with the goods. Yeah, do it. The the story and the plot in of itself weren't anything insane. I mean, it was a very basic, simple plot. It was just about a guy who kind of was a really good driver who ended up on the wrong side of a, a really bad guy to end up on the wrong side of. And then his attempts to kind of break free of that through, you know, underground means, through operating with this kind of... I don't even know what exactly that um, uh, Kevin Spacey's character was like, what he was famous for. Like, he was known as being this, like, really bad henchman guy who's right. coordinator of these, like, driving jobs, these bank jobs. But you don't really know why he's, like, known as being such a bad guy. But it's okay, um, you, you know? don't need yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, he ends up in the wrong side of this situation and then he falls in love. Yeah. And it's a simple story of, like, he's got, he wants to get out of it anyways, but then that really becomes a driving factor and a motivation for him to, like, not only get done with these jobs, but also, like, are, is it right? Is it okay for me to be engaging in this type of stuff. And that really comes to a head at the end of the film and everything like that and the decisions yeah. that were made there. And that was a cool little twist at the end, but I'm not going to go there necessarily at this point. Um, 
So just to start, one of the best, best things about this movie was the driving and the stunts. And oh, yeah. obviously a movie like this about a guy who's a professional driver. Um, I loved the fact that they used so much practical effect with this. And I'm not one to say that like everything has to be practical effect because there's just some things you can't accomplish with a practical effect. You have to have, right. you know, computers create something, you know, that's, that you just can't, there's that nothing exists to create that. So you have to do it. Whereas with this movie, everything was very grounded and set in a modern era. So it made sense that everything could be very practical right. effects. And I'm not sure if he used anything to like heighten it or change it or adjust it, but everything looked very real and felt very real. And because yeah. of that, I was able to engage on it in a very real way. Yeah. So that was awesome. That was enjoyable. Um, all of the action set pieces were really fun and they built appropriately and it never felt like they were just trying, trying to take the easy way out of it. I loved with this script how he would kind of put the characters in difficult situations mm-hmm. and then you're you're left going like, well, how are they going to, how's this going to happen? How's that going to, where is this going to go? And so it wasn't like in a lot of movies, it's like, well, let's just take the simple path, like the obvious path. Um, like the, the perfect examples, like when they go to the diner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in a modern movie, they wouldn't even like deal with that necessarily. They would just, he would continue on and they would drive back to the the hideout or something like that. And there would be issues there because of the shooting where these guys are like, no, let's take him to the diner. (laughs) So I just thought that was really cool. It was very intelligent as well. I thought that the, um, the back and forth dialogue for a lot of the characters and the way that they kind of reacted and interacted with each other was really refreshing and fun. Yeah. And it's, Edgar Wright has that. He kind of has like a witty back and forth kind of banter with a lot of his dialogue with his characters. And that was absolutely the case with this one. Um, it doesn't mean that they're all intelligent because sometimes they do make stupid mistakes and they do stupid things. Right. Um, everybody in this movie for the most part was pretty intelligent, but, um, but I just loved the way that they kind of, the, 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 the pacing of the dialogue and the return of like a, a repost, like one person says like the silly comment, another person attacks them back for that, but in an equally funny and silly way. And right. stuff. so I love that. I mean, there's so many good things. I, I don't want to keep talking cause I want to hear your side too. Yeah. I can keep going. I really that. liked it. I really, really liked this movie. Um, kind of, I mean, we were highly anticipating it. Um, but I, I felt like there was even more to the film that you don't get from the trailers that was made it even more enjoyable for me. Yeah. Um, the action was, was fantastic. Um, I, I wasn't expecting the action to be as good as it was. And the reason why I say that is I've seen a bajillion car chase movies, right? Yeah. And they can get real tiresome after a while or not even feel tense and they can feel like um, com- discombobulated or you don't know what's going on just in the way that it's shot in the editing style. Yeah. There's a lot of really long takes. There's a lot of, um, uh, in this in this movie, there's a lot of continuity, uh, like f- good things as far as continuity is concerned. Yeah, the, you can tell what's happening in a car chase. It feels tense. It feels visceral. It feels real. Right. It um, wasn't overly relying on shaky cam and like fast pans. And right. Something just driving by and you're like, what? Something blew up and who hit what? Where? Right. It's like you can tell pretty much from one moment to the next where the action is going. It was very exciting. And there's even another chase scene that's not like a car chase scene Mm -hmm. that was really intense too. Oh yeah. Um, And I was like, man, this is, this is, I'm really into this right now. I find myself, what's so great about this, I find myself in a lot of movies um, thinking, I don't like that. And then I find myself going on tangents thinking about like what I thought about something while the movie's still happening. Yeah. And I get distracted sometimes and start thinking about other things. Right. About what what the problem was with what happened just a minute ago. This movie, I didn't do that. I was like locked in. Yeah. I was like laser focused, 
what's happening? I'm, I don't know what's going to happen with the story. It was unpredictable in a number of different ways, mm-hmm. in a good way, yeah. that I really enjoyed. And it you was just a lot of fun. Gonna die, when they were going to die, right. how they were going to die. It yeah. was super, um, it, it, it was, it was, I don't normally use this term, but I, I, it was cute. It was cute in a way like, um, it was like adult cute. Yeah. You know, that's like kind of the same thing as Wes Anderson, right. but they, they're able to mix in real deep thematic elements. Right. And that's what Edgar Wright does pretty well. I mean, the fact that baby is recovering from, I mean, I'm spoiling a little bit, but not too much here, but like recovering from a huge loss as a child. That's you know in the I mean? trailers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it recovering from it and how that plays out over the course of the film. I mean, that's a deeply, it's a deep element. That's a deep yeah. element to anybody's progression as a person that they would lose their parents in a very traumatic way. And then you see the repercussions and the impacts of the slow kind of this descent into this kind of world that he's been trying to break free of and yeah. the impacts that it's making on him and what they've got to do. And they, they I mean, they even tie, I mean, even at the very beginning, John Hamm, um, which he played a great character in this film. Yeah. Uh, very surprising he in was, a way, he, in a good way. Uh, yeah. We, we won't talk about it, but he, um, this is the best role I've seen John Hamm. Oh yeah, in a long time. Yeah, I think this will definitely get him some more kind of roles. Right. I'd be interested to see maybe he'll break into some more actiony yeah. type roles. But I even at the beginning of the film, what I was mentioning is, you know, he says that line to Baby, like eventually you're going to have to get your hands dirty. Right. I, that's not quite at the beginning. Right. Um, that might not even have been John Hamm, but you know, somebody says to him that like, you know, eventually you're going to have to get in Fox, there. It actually, might have been Jamie yeah. Foxx, yeah. But like, you know, you're going to have to get in there and get your hands dirty, and that and that eventually does become the case. And there's there's really good payoff and setup which not every film is capable of doing. I mean, a perfect example is like Suicide Squad. There was decent setup, but there was like never any good payoff for right. anything. Yep. It's like with this movie, it's like you know that if that's that, then that's that, and it's going to go somewhere. And you don't necessarily yeah. know that that is going to be that thing, but it's going to be something It's going to be yeah. important. Um, so that was great. I thought the one of the things that I that I really saw in this that, you don't see a lot in a lot of modern films is the romantic relationship uh, between the the two leads. I thought um, Deborah and Baby, their chemistry with each other was so honest and real, and it felt like heightened. That, that's a cute part that I was right. kind of getting at, yeah. But it felt very like you understood why these two people would be absolutely attracted to each other. It wasn't right. just like they happened to be around each other and they found each other physically attracted. It was like, no, they had a real chemistry. They both loved music. They loved. They could play off each other. They understood each other. They they had the same desire and a purpose to kind of break free and to go do. So like there was a very close knit similarity there. Yeah. It didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like well these are our two main guy and girl leads. So of course they have to fall in love. It felt like that was natural. And yeah, um, so it's again and that as well as far as that being the, the movie as a whole was kind of offbeat in a sense as far as just Edgar Wright's style style but it was also very musically driven yeah um which was cool it actually worked out really well it's not a musical yeah <laughs> but there is like singing and stuff in it but it's it's done in a in a real world world kind of manner right that's believable um and there's a lot of long takes yeah um that the, the one takes were great yeah really really good um solid one right at the beginning not like right right at the beginning but pretty close to the beginning yeah um and that's that's a pretty solid one take i mean there, there's like three or four i don't i didn't count exactly how many were going on in the film but i mean my favorite one was probably a dancing scene yeah and I, not spoil anything too much here but like the uh the comparison that i was making in the theater was 
you know, the, the Spider-Man scene, right. Spider-Man 3. <laughs> and I was like, this is how you do that scene right. Right, yeah. You know, versus what we had in Spider-Man 3, which was the cheesiest, totally weird, yeah, unfitting, strange. strange type thing where this is like, it all made sense. And I love those little nods to the music that was kind of, because the music was so important to baby's baby character, yeah. which that's the one part I still have a hard time with saying baby like this. Yeah. <laughs> the naming was always hard for me. But, Everybody had that same problem in right. the movie too. And they, they, they knew it. Right. You know? And it, so it fit after it, the movie, but just saying it right now. Yeah. Sounds really silly to me. <laughs> baby. So, but the, the nods to the music and the way that different scenes would play out in coordination to the music, but not in like a forced way. I mean, there was plenty of moments where baby was like, wait, 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 you got to start this over. And so he would like rewind. That the was music. kind of funny. That's right. Funny. <laughs> Cause it's like, he needs this. This is like, not just for you, the listener. Yeah. This is like for them as part of the film as well. Yeah. So that was really cute. And I thought that was fun. Um, altogether there, I felt like these elements that we're talking about, the, the witticisms in the back and the forth, the, the, great connection and chemistry between the romantic leads and the other characters, the use of practical effects, the way that the the film kind of like would keep you guessing and put the characters in suspenseful things made for me a film, which isn't often the case, that I could go into and really just not think, like in a way that I could just approach the film and watch it and enjoy it and not overanalyze it. You know, right. you talked about that earlier. Yeah. I usually sit down and when I'm watching these movies, I'm usually writing notes yeah. and, you know, in the back of the theater, you know, furiously putting notes down. I didn't do that once this entire movie because I was so just wanting and engaged with what was going on in screen. Yeah. And it's really difficult for me, especially as a, you know, critic minded person right. <laughs> to not be constantly sitting there trying to, like I'd have definitely have moments where I would kind of jump to other thoughts, but it would just be to reconnect thoughts that would reconnect me back into the film. Yeah. So I mean, it's tough to talk about anything that's negative. I really, really liked it overall. I mean, even if you look at everything, the cinematography, the um, acting yeah. was tremendous. Yeah, and there's a lot of great people in here. Um, and kudos I, to the editor. I hope the editor for this really gets nominated for some really good awards because I mean, the editing style and the tone really baked in yeah. that feeling. If that hadn't been that way. It just it wouldn't have felt at all the same, right? You know, to the to the music and the cuts and the close to the wide, it it just it really worked well for me. Yeah, it was really good. So it's it's hard for me. I I, I don't have a lot of negatives to say about this movie. You know, it's yeah. it, it's one of those things where there's, there's two editors on this. By the there's way, there's one negative, but um, it's not really even a negative to where it like affects the story overall, the movie yeah. overall. It's just, yeah. I wish I would have seen more of John Bernthal. I thought that was hilarious too, but I, yeah, I agree. It was yeah. like, Hey, here's a guy that we recognize and very famous in a lot of, you know, especially for walking dead. Yeah. And then he's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> never, never to be heard of again. Yeah. yeah. I would have liked to see more of him. Um, and other than that, the ending, I'm still, we were talking about this kind of earlier before we started the show and, felt like the ending I didn't fully get, but we talked it out. I think I can see it from your, your point of view and I wasn't fully on board. I can see it a little bit more now. Yeah. It could present for a certain type of, in a, in a certain mindset uh, questions, but right. I, I think it was, I think it was, it was clear enough to me that it was like, no, this is this. It initially reminded <laughs> me of La La Land for some reason. Uh, so okay. the, kind of that ambiguity, but I, I think, um, yeah, I think it's, I, I see it your way. I like it more if, yeah. if it is that, in fact, that, um, I want to see it again. That's the thing. I, yeah. I rarely want to see movies like this again pretty yeah. soon thereafter. I, th- and that's the, one of the things I love about Edgar Wright movies is one of the great things about like Scott Pilgrim versus the world. There's so many little touches 
and hints and cues. And Quentin Tarantino does this pretty well sometimes too, that like little things that kind of add to it that you don't necessarily catch on that first run through. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of movie that I think I can go back through and rewatch and catch little bits and pieces of things that I didn't necessarily see that would really make it even more enjoyable and make it get more out of it. Yeah. So that I am looking forward to watching it again. I'll probably go see it hopefully sometime this week with, you know, a friend or something like that and uh, be able to check out some little additional aspects of it that I like. I think if I were to try, this is a hard film for me to find really negatives about. Um, I think it would somewhat have to do with the ending a little bit. It, not that it was bad, but it just felt a little bit kind of oversimplified. Yeah. You know, and I, I get that. I mean, it kind of just felt a little bit like, oh, okay, and everything just wraps up the way it does. It was nice. It was touching. I think it was good that it ended the way that it did. Um, ended in a very real way, I felt like. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I wasn't anticipating I was that. More, I was more caught up in, I think, so the final showdown, I'm not going to say who, between him and like who ends up being sort of the main bad guy mm-hmm. of the of the at the end of the film um i felt like that was good and effective but was a little 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 underwhelming okay like i could have used more of an actual like chase scene there right, right which right, i know right. i was thinking they were going to get in their cars and they were going to go on like this really big epic chase right where then they would be doing like hitting each other and yeah. stuff like that but it just kind of didn't go that direction I could see that, yeah. and that was a very very minor like you know if i had my rathers it, this movie didn't feel like it was too long. It didn't feel like it was too short. I think it was a correct amount of time and maybe it was a time thing because like, if they had added a whole new chase scene or something like that, it would have made the film- Like 10 more million dollars yeah, or something. It cost <laughs> a lot more money and stretch out another 10 minutes or something yeah. like that and maybe that just would have been too much. But I, I still really enjoyed the ending. I felt it was yeah. very satisfactory and very enjoyable. I thought um, the interesting relationships that the different characters had like with with uh, Baby and- um, Baby and Doc, Kevin Spacey's yeah, character, yeah. that relationship was different than what I was expecting in like an interesting way. Um, I think the relationship that he had, um, I forget the guy, I don't know the, the actor's name, but Joseph was like the mute guy. <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, his, the, his like... I don't know the actor's name. I've never yeah. seen him in anything before, but um, and actually, I don't know if that was Joseph. It was the it was the main... the main the, the Yeah, yeah, it was like his adopt... Yeah. Yeah. I well he might have been he wasn't mute, he was uh deaf. Deaf. Yeah. Right. And so I thought the relationship that he had there with him yeah. was really interesting. And one of the fun things that you always see about Edgar Wright with his films is like you're always wondering kind of what he's gonna present you next. And a good example of that was the scene where the characters are going to get some guns mm-hmm. and some weapons and they said they're gonna meet this guy who's called you know, this, the butcher and you're expecting like something because this is like weird and he's got a weird name and it's presented in such a fun way, even though it was characters that really don't matter all that much, you know, for the most part, but even those like minor characters still had a really cool style and purpose to them. And you, you felt like those characters in of themselves probably had a really crazy, interesting story. Yeah. You know? So it's good yeah, stuff, man. A lot of good stuff to say. Yeah. Uh, rate this thing. What would you rate it? I'm going to give this a really high rating. All right. 96. Woo. Yeah. It's a good one for me. Nice. That's good. I'm actually going to give it a 94. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I liked it. It's Why good. so low, Matt? It's not low, dude. That's <laughs> one of the, my highest for the year. It's probably yeah. my second rated. It's, <laughs> it's killing it right now um, on Rotten Tomatoes as well. I mean, it's got like four negative reviews and most of them just have to do with like, there was the car chases they didn't like, or they didn't like the the choice in music. Right, you know what <laughs> it's I mean. So Which is like silly, <laughs> silly, very silly. But there's always going to be naysayers. There's yeah. going to be attackers out there. 
So that uh, wraps up our review of Baby Driver. Next, I want to take us on to the uh, major, other major release we had this weekend, and that is the third in the trilogy from Illumination Studios. That is Despicable Me 3. Despicable Me 3. Exactly. That's my So I didn't get a chance to see this, but Joel. Yes. You did get a chance to see this, right? Yes, I did. I watched it in theaters, Matt. In theatries. In theatricals. So uh, this is Despicable Me 3. Uh, synopsis for this is Gru meets his long-lost, charming, cheerful, and more successful twin brother, Drew, who wants to team up with him for one last criminal heist. Uh, it's got actually three directors on this, which was surprising to me. Uh, Kyle Balda, Pierre Coffin, and Eric Gulan. Nailed it. Gulan. Uh, it's <laughs> the voice acting of Steve Carell as Gru slash Drew, Kristen Wiig as Lucy, Trey Parker as Balthazar Bratt, uh, and then his the four younger girls and then the minions, which are all actually directed by one guy or voice acted by one guy, which makes sense. Nice. So, so this film was uh, I've had a good history for the most part with the Despicable Me series. I feel like the first one was the best by far. And the mm-hmm. second one was good and interesting and it kind of progressed the story forward a little bit. It was funny, and that was the big thing that kept me going. I think that we talked about this in coming soon. The director, the the characters have been the big solid part of the the show that right. and the movies that have kept me going back to it because the characterization is really funny and the way they bounce off of each other with their jokes is really funny and it it keeps me engaged. Minions was a bit flat, and I think nobody really expected it to be maybe that popular but the minions in and of themselves are it's really difficult to make a side character into like the main feature right of a film and that's what they tried to do and i didn't really feel like it worked so despicable me going into despicable me 3 i wasn't really expecting a whole lot i again was in a good place with the series for the most part except for minions but it's a third in the trilogy and i felt like things had probably gotten a bit tired and a bit stagnant and maybe the humor wasn't going to be quite there and so Overall, I was happy with the film. I did enjoy it. I thought there was good humor, and that was the biggest thing that helped me to enjoy it. The progression, the story moved forward in correct ways, and it didn't feel like they were forcing anything. If anything, that was part of the problem is they they didn't push things far enough, but it it felt like they kind of moved things forward in a natural direction, in natural progression, and it kind of had some some residuals from like some elements of stuff that's been building from like the second movie and the first movie. Yeah. So it, it felt good in that regard. And the thing that I loved is so much about it was the humor. I yeah. mean, there just, there was a couple moments where I really was laughing and people in the theater were laughing about <laughs> it. And I think the, the interactions, a lot, the, the one of the things that just tells me that this can be like a really funny movie where a lot of animation films can't be is just the the looks. There would just be times where like somebody would say something and they would cut to one of the animated characters just having this like look on their face, <laughs> which would just like make you laugh yeah. and giggle. And it's like that's pretty good if you can make an animated movie and just the way that the characters look at each other, that's their facial expressions yeah. in of themselves can do something that makes you laugh. I mean, that's pretty good animation. Yeah. Uh, so it was, and then that's how it kind of went. And I, I think. Um, I, I don't want to because I could sp- I don't want to spoil things too much as far as like the actual humor because this the humor of this film works the best because it's unexpected and it's not really what you'd think oh like oh well I didn't see that coming so I don't want to ruin the individual yeah. parts of the humor the 
trying to think of some other good things. The animation was still really good. The voice acting was really great. I thought Steve Carell actually did, maybe they did something in like post, but I thought he did a really good job of creating like two distinct voices between uh, Gru and him, Drew. Him and his brother, yeah. Yeah, so like Gru is, he's he's like this kind of more somber sounding, kind of like darker, and whereas his brother Drew is like this positive like jovial and so he made his voice sound a little higher yeah and it kind of goes like up whereas his voice goes down Mm -hmm. and so it was like it's simple but it worked perfectly because they're twins and so that dynamic between the relationship which i don't even know how he would have done some of those at times because (laughs) i mean there's times when they're talking over each other and they're talking at each other so i mean that must have been a really i don't know very good directing yeah it's what i would assume was something like that so that's awesome i thought that their progression the plot was really fun i think trying to think if there's anything good uh anything else good i think that's mainly it okay the the other part that i like to talk about this and this goes into the bad side of why i didn't think it was as as good as probably the first one okay it was closer to the second one it was definitely better than minions but it wasn't as good maybe as the second one probably close to the second one um it really felt like they kind of pulled back in a lot of areas when it came to the overall story okay um the humor was there there was maybe one or two jokes that kind of landed a little flat, but most of those were like the kid jokes mm-hmm. that it's not really aimed at me or targeted at me. So I right. know that I'm probably just not going to laugh all that much at it. But for the most part, the humor was there. But the story in and of itself only really tiptoed into some deeper thematic elements that I was really feeling uh, it could use more of. Really? You know, like a Pixar film, one of the reasons that Pixar films work so well on an adult and a child audience basis is because they deal with thematic elements like purpose and death and meaning and they yeah. go into deeper areas of of you know loss and sati- you know sacrifice that make them interesting on a deeper gut level whereas this film really didn't go into those things it 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 would tiptoe into them really quickly and then it would just kind of back off and it would treat them almost like just a, a an aspect of the story more than like well, we're really going to delve into this. And there was a lot of room for that type of thing to happen because, like I said, they were hitting well with the voice acting. They were hitting well with the comedy. The animation was there. The story was well-structured. It was it, it had a real good structure, but they never, for whatever reason, decided to go deeper into those different story elements. I mean, a perfect example was the relationship that um, Gru had with his father and his father not being there and the relationship that Drew had with his father, with his father being there, but being a very negative voice in his life, is only really played up at like one point. There's kind of like this, the, it, it, it's the initial spark that gets him into things. And then they use, well, two points, and then they use it as like a, a conflict between each other where they kind of bash each other. But it doesn't really play out to be any deeper than that. It's kind of like... Oh, well, you had bad interactions with my father. Well, I didn't know my father. Oh, well, we should be brothers then. Okay, moving on. And it's like, well, how does that impact you? Like, let me see how that impacts you over the course of the different things that are happening. And let me see some sadness and some mourning or some loss or some overcoming obstacles or personal hurdles or things like that. A little more surface level. Yeah. You know, Kristen, Kristen Wiig did a great job with the character of Lucy. And her big thing was like she was trying to become the mother for, you know, Gru's Three girls. The girls, yeah. And that was, again, played very, like there was like one or two moments where that's kind of played off as like, well, we're progressing this forward with her becoming their mom. And then it's kind of just like a byproduct of the story that they end up feeling like, yeah, she's the mom. Yeah. You know, whereas it's not like she really, 
she didn't even really even struggle in that regard. Right. It kind of just moved forward very naturally and progressed. Um, the biggest struggle in the whole movie was actually Trey Parker's character. Really? I was just going to ask that. Yeah, <laughs> which he, I loved. I think yeah. he also was a big element that I could talk about that really made me enjoy this film. He's like, an, he's like stuck in the eighties. Like, yeah. That, so this had like, he had like a complete eighties vibe going yeah. on and it was just so enjoyable and, and over the top ridiculous. So he plays this character named Balthazar Brat, who who was a child actor of this television show, <laughs> where he's this brat kid that is like bad, um, and he's a like he's a supervillain in the show as a kid. And the show was canceled though after a little while, and he got really upset, and then he became an actual supervillain. <laughs> but so funny. he never left behind the character that he had in the television show like he's obsessed with that character he took the character with him he right, became the, the character right exactly and it's just like the funniest thing to see like this this grown man now embracing this like childlike demeanor of this 80s persona yeah I mean he's got this like mullet cut with yeah. like a I don't even know what like a crop like a the top of his hair goes straight up yeah yeah and yeah. the mullet back but he's got like a balding spot now which at first I like didn't even notice and I was like oh my gosh he's got like his, yeah. and that's like the whole movie and it's like you know that whenever they battle like all of his instruments are like musical instruments that are like also because he's really into the music and he's like, like dance guitars battling. and stuff yeah like he's like a guitar gun and he's like <laughs> dance battling he's like all right dance battle okay yeah <laughs> and it's just like he everything all the uh, the like when he breaks into places and he's trying to steal stuff he like does it to like cheesy 80s music and everything <laughs> like that it's just so it's really silly and kind of funny tongue-in-cheek and i just really enjoyed his character his character out of all of them had like the deepest thematic really? like darkness yeah that he had to deal with because he's dealing with this like pent-up rage and aggression and this pain of feeling like he's not important to people that he yeah. doesn't matter and that they that he was never respected or loved and because of that he ends up making these really crazy decisions and does these really crazy bank robberies where with Gru it's more just like oh, I lost my job I kind of need to figure out what I want to do with my life and right, but my dad right. didn't really love me because he didn't know me but you know, so it's, it just all kind of floats. Yeah. It's just kind of like, yeah, meanders. And so I think some just some deeper moments. Um, it was touching on that, but it never really got deep. Gotcha. Um, and I keep saying that word deep. 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 Like it's going to make a difference if I keep saying it. But um, <laughs> that, that's been my, that was my main issue. So I would suggest the movie though. I would definitely say that if you're a fan of the series, it's a good one to check out. It's enjoyable. Uh, we did talk about this earlier. I think the humor style has been floating slowly more and more adult yeah. on this. There was definitely some jokes that kind of pushed the boundaries and the edge a little bit of, of like... PG boundaries. Of PG boundaries, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are definitely some anatomical jokes of different things and yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they a lot of minion butt, <laughs> people's butt backside. So, yeah. uh, know that if you're going to take a child to this, that they are going to get a little bit... I mean. These days, goodness. Bathroom saw, humor. Yeah, I mean, I saw parents taking kids to Get Out and kids to Alien Covenant. And, Ugh, I mean, so crazy. Yeah, I think I even saw some kids. I mean, you, they take people take their kids to whatever these days. Yeah. So I'm so, not judging. Even though I'm judging a little bit, I'm not judging. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So overall rating for this, I'm putting this one at an 80. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's right on the cusp of like a 79. Sure. But I think it's good enough, it's enjoyable enough that it still breaks into like the 80 mark. B oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Well, thank you for that wrap-up of Despicable Me 3. Um, next, we're going to move into another film. It was actually released this week, but not in the theaters. Yes. This is a Netflix original film called Okja. 
And um, I don't, I don't know if it's being heavily marketed on like mainstream TV at all, other than just I digital platforms it. and like Netflix. I don't have cable, but I don't know That's how they do. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they're marketing it except through like Netflix online media. So movies like this are one of the reasons why I really appreciate Netflix and Amazon, just digital media uh, things in in general, because it gives opportunity for filmmakers to really put something really different out there yeah um where this this type of movie would never have gotten like a huge release in america if it was made no 15 years ago you know our, our director here uh june ho bong uh he's kind of been moving more and more towards that i mean he did Snowpiercer, and then which didn't get a huge release i think in the states of uh, much of anything but was hugely successful on like netflix and everything like that did that mm-hmm. even get a theatrical release um, which Snowpiercer? No, no, that was okay. uh, that was Netflix. Netflix only. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so he's did he did that first one, which got some good interest in his yeah sort of. But did you do you want to explain? Yeah. So so if you if you're that. not familiar with it, and you should check out the trailer for it because it looks very interesting. That's why I wanted to watch it. They just released it this week. Um. So uh, Mija is a young girl who risks everything to prevent a. Uh, prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, a massive animal named Okja. Um, so to give you kind of more of a breakdown, the way that it works is um, this company has genetically created what they call super pigs, yes, which is what Okja is, in order to capitalize off of them, to sell them for their, their meat and the products to Americans. And it's ultimately that tastes better than anything. It's way bigger and can help feed more people. Didn't really look tasty. No, it did not. Not, not at lie. all. Yeah. Um, like but, a normal pig, you look at it and you're like, yeah, maybe, but that, <laughs> those pig things did not look tasty. So it stars uh, Tilda Swinton, uh, Sheena Kamal, um, Michael Mitten, and also has uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Um, our good friend from Better Call Saul, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, also has Glenn Yoon, Glenn Yoon, gosh, <laughs> you, Stephen Yoon, yeah, I was like, Glenn from The Walking Dead, yeah, my bad. Way to um, put those together. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but there, there's a number of different people and little little like spots in this movie. Um, but I actually liked it. Um, I didn't like. I'm not going crazy for it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a decent movie. Um, definitely better than mediocre. But one thing I really liked about it is it. Let me say right off the bat, Jake Gyllenhaal is my favorite part of the movie. Okay. Um, and the the story itself, minus the end, was was kind of fun in a way, a little bit. Um, and I say minus the end because it totally shifts tone tones on you. Yeah. Um, and gets really serious, but. Yeah, right around the last quarter of the film, it's it kind of kind of really in, dark in a lot of ways. It starts off kind of endearing with basically the little girl and like her best friend, essentially yeah. though, like her one of her only friends actually. Yeah. Um, and you're like, oh, I, I like this. This is kind of fun, you know. It's kind of like this is something that I would have like, you know. It's kind of like almost like the imagination of a child when when you're younger, kind yeah, of. Yeah, if is, you think of any story about like a little kid that finds some magical creature. You know, my it's name kind of like that, Tor- yeah. Totoro or Iron Giant. Or, yeah. And it's kind of like that. And it plays up that in a more adult satirical way. Right. To start. Um, and then it kind of goes on from there. You meet some more people and kind of how it all works. But I, I liked it overall. Um, 
like I said earlier, my my favorite part was Jake Gyllenhaal. I've never seen him play this type of character before. Yeah. He's the most outrageous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I've I laughed out loud a number of times. Um, he was simultaneously like hilarious and also sad to watch. Yeah, you know, I felt bad, but I also kind of scared of him. Like if I was there's just the one life. scene for me that I was like, eh, this is getting a little dark with him. But yeah, and that come that comes right around that sort of last three-fourths or so, like last half of the film, sort of, it kind of floats into some darker territory. Yeah. And then it temporarily kind of comes back out of it, and then it goes right back into it very heavy at the end. Yeah. And I think, so that was probably my biggest issue with the film, was these tonal shifts, constantly back and forth of one moment we're kind of have this silly, kind of tongue-in-cheek, goofy, satirical look at these characters, which a lot of the characters were really great. I mean, they played very strong, like quirky type characters but then they would float into this like really dark kind of weird world of like people getting you know killed and uh or more like animal suffering and tortured and you know just really really darker stuff um so i i just had problems at times with the the weird tonal shifts yeah i feel like that's kind of normal for these for uh june hobong I don't yeah. know if I'm pronouncing it. It's <laughs> Bong Joon Ho, I think. But that's kind of how Snowpiercer was as well. Yeah. There would be these moments of like this really aggressive, intense action, and then it would go really sata- like satirical. There's really like out strange, off the wall stuff in that movie too. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things I think you either like them or you don't. Like you either right. like that style or you don't. And I don't know. I, I, I haven't really made up my mind yet, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> if I do or I don't like it, it's. It, in some ways, I can appreciate it because it's new and it's definitely yeah. different than what we're seeing in a lot of, you know, film and media right now. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like, in in a sense, feels a bit cheap because I feel like he's not really committing to a single tone. He's kind of trying to have his cake and eat it too. Okay. With the story, because it's like he's trying to get this was obviously very, themat like this was trying to get a message across. Yeah. Very strongly. In the in the moments of where it was like darker and more intense yeah. and deeper, like very much like the corporate evil and you know man versus nature or like man you know protecting nature versus trying to kill it and corporate greed, like definitely was very strong on those like elements. But then it would play up like the silly quirkiness of like the what did the animal uh, freedom group yeah 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 and how they had their weird interactions with each other and they were almost like a band of misfits right like they would make these stupid mistakes and do these stupid things so I just didn't get it because I'm like are, are you wanting me to take this seriously or are you wanting me to take this as a joke right and in the moments where it would get really serious it would get really serious and yeah, dark yeah. I mean the poor things that happened to Okja after yeah, yeah. finally getting captured were just like wow like yeah Man, that's dark. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I it it's hard to say how I feel about this one right now. Yeah, you know what? And that's okay. I um, I I thought, and here's the thing. And I've told you this before. Um, I I have a kind of a soft spot in my heart for like creatures, <laughs> creature movies, you know. Yeah. Stuff. And so I really liked Oakja. I like kind of that character. He's very smart, basically intelligent, very, very intelligent animal. Yeah. I, um, like the, boy, the best way I can explain this is it's like a darker satirical babe. It's like okay. an yeah. echo parable, darker satirical babe. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, I could see that. You know? Um, I don't, so you don't, you don't have, you wouldn't have like a rating for this one? 
I I have a rating and I oh, have it do? in mind. Okay. Yeah, I I just to say a little bit more before I give my rating. I think as a spectacle, as a visual um, film, on a technical standpoint, I think there's a lot of good things. I think the visual effects weren't the greatest at times. I think the interactions of the intelligence behind design of the way like things would interact with the real world environment was very good. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a moment where it ever felt like the pig wasn't actually coming out of the water or the pig right. wasn't actually running into this thing or hitting that person. Like that all felt real and everything felt very like connectable, but the pig in and of itself, Oakja at times looked really fake to me and kind of, it looked, it didn't look real. Okay. And there was moments where that would definitely take me out of the moment because I'm like, I, I can tell that you're interacting with this like CG yeah. thing. There was, you know? Yeah, I agree. There were a couple times like that. Yeah, um, but they were still really good buildup and spectacle and it felt very, the story felt very big and fun at times and really goofy and silly. And I definitely, there's a couple moments where I was definitely kind of laughing out loud. Um, I think if the movie hadn't gone, if it had gone one of two directions, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much if it had, but if it had gone very solidly, like this is a film about anti-corporate greed and, you know, pro eco-friendly, like if it had gone that direction, I probably would have had a lot more respect for it, even though I might still might not have enjoyed it. Or if it had gone completely like this is all just satire, silly, over the top, ridiculous, I probably would have given it a higher rating. Okay. But it felt very strange to me and weird to be kind of jumping constantly between (laughs) this really dark R-rated type thing and then Babe. Yeah. You know, because those two just felt very juxtaposed. Tonal shifts didn't really bother me, but... Yeah. 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 So, overall, I give this one a 78 out of 100. Really? Yeah. That's not... In my mind, that's not that bad. (laughs) No, I mean, that's what I was trying to explain. It Like, it had good spectacle. I enjoyed it. I had fun. I... I was going to give it a 76. Okay. (laughs) All right, so you're lower than me. Yeah, like... It's like lower you, but okay, well, hey... Yeah, I mean, there was like the John Denver song moment. Yeah. That was like hilarious. I mean, which that's the second time I've seen that type of thing done where they're playing the John Denver song to craziness going on. I I mean, just waiting for the next one. Um, If it really wasn't for the ending, I mean, I probably would have given it like a B plus or an A minus. It was really just the ending. Even I would have even done been probably more or less fine. Well, I probably wasn't. I wasn't fine with the scenes that happened in like the container yeah. of what they did to Okja. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't fit for me. And then the very, very ending, you know, with her going into the plant, like right. that. Those two. If those two things had been taken out from me, and it had been treated more as just tongue in cheek, silly. Yeah. Um, I probably would have given it like a like a B plus, maybe okay, A minus yeah. rating. Yeah. But because of those two things and just feeling like they were trying to heavy hand and force in a, work. a tone and a shift and a plot that just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got you. Cool. So. Well, um, yeah, that's going to wrap up our uh, review of Okja. And that's actually going to wrap up our uh, movie review segment of the, the show as well. But uh, coming up next, we have uh, our, our episode of tube talk here we're going to move into in a second where we're going to talk about the killing yes. but uh yeah so stay tuned so welcome back this is our tube talk segment and uh we actually just kind of wanted to briefly mention real quick that um, we're doing it this way because we're in this lull in the summer where we're not going to chance to there's not a lot of new shows no, out right there's now. there's like 
nothing. There's so, like Netflix is has uh, has a few new shows coming up, but it's our way of trying to keep talking about television without right while having no content to do. So. Right. So we're kind of going back in the archives a little bit here. Yeah. Um. And uh. And we wanted to talk about one show. One show that I've actually had a chance to see. Mm-hmm. Um. All the way through all four seasons, and you're what three? three? I'm like three episodes in. Okay, we're talking about the killing. Very new show for me. Yes. So just to kind of give you a breakdown, there's a lot more to it than this, and we can explain why in a little bit and why it might be different. But um, just the premise is a police investigation. The saga. It's a saga of a grieving family uh, and a Seattle mayoral campaign that's all interconnected after the body of a 17 year old. Uh, girl is found in the trunk of a submerged car. Yeah. And I picked this one up because I had been watching Twin Peaks and having a decent time with it, but also a little bit of a challenge to get past some of the soap opera almost-esque types of stylistic choices that David Lynch was making with it. Right. So I kind of had been talking to a a friend about this, about Twin Peaks, and he said, well, why don't you check out The Killing? Because it's supposed to be similar idea, but different uh, tone. Not as far out there as I imagine yeah. also. Yeah, this this reminds me more of like a, I don't know, just a standard, what would you compare it to as far as like a crime show goes? Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's not a serial, like it, it has an ongoing story. Yeah, it's more of a, um, so it is serialized, but it's it's right. more, it's got. Um, it's not a procedural, it's more of a serialized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So kind of like uh, like if it was like a really long episode of Law and Order, but a little bit more in depth than that, you know? Yeah, and it's got better cinematography than you would standardly get on like a television show of of any kind of normal right normal nature. Like they've definitely put a lot of time and energy into making sure that this looks visually like almost yeah. a film. Yeah. I mean, each episode kind of looks visually like a mini film. Um, and so I'm, I'm enjoying it for that. I really do like the, um, so far I've really enjoyed, uh, the elements that are being presented and the way that they're being presented. I think the, the difficult thing that I've had with this one that I didn't, that I, that I really liked about Twin Peaks that I didn't like about this one so far is that the characters haven't really done anything for me yet. Right. They're kind of still a little bit flat, and that's kind of the the tone and the feel of the show. Yeah. Feels a little flat and feels a little just very simple. Yeah. Um, and they're just starting now to kind of pull out these deeper elements of the relationships, of the darkness behind those relationships. I mean, goodness, the end of the third episode, some really dark, really unfortunately dark stuff happens to the young girl that ended yeah. up getting murdered. And it's like, okay, we're getting into some really deep, dark things. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing about the show that has made it, um, that I'm liking and I'm enjoying and I'm hoping they're building on is kind of this this fun playfulness between sort of the two main detectives that are yeah. part of this, which is um, Sarah Linden and Stephen Holder, the characters that are played by uh, Muriel Enos and Joel Kinnaman. Yep. I'm loving how she's kind of like the logic, like war-torn, like been through this before a hundred times, you know, knows in and out, but it kind of has this sixth sense for like what needs to happen and how it needs to go where Steven plays or Joel plays this character. That's more of like your street smarts kind of get it done by any means necessary, but without going too far. Yeah. And he's kind of silly and goofy and relatable, but he comes very, he's very like unassuming. Yeah. And that makes you willing to like work with him and open up, but he's got definitely, you can tell like a dark, 
bad kind of yeah. ability that like he can reach into some really dark areas yeah. if he needs to and when he needs to to get what he wants done done. And so it plays it's a really cool dynamic. Yeah. Because uh they play kind of like almost two sides of the same coin. It's really um, cool and I, I think you're right um it takes a long time for you to fully get on board with the characters. A lot lo- yeah. lot no- longer than I think probably should. Yeah. Especially um Sarah Linden, uh main character uh and I think that's potentially a problem it took a it took a really long time to it takes a long time to get into her the first one that i, I guarantee most people will connect to is joel kinnaman character his character right. uh, steven holder he's he's a little bit more relatable he's funnier he's got those like he's he's jokey but he's serious at the same time he's trying to do the right thing you think you think he's just at first you don't like him yeah he seems like just like a chill almost like, stoner kind of guy Yeah, he seems like a slacker somebody yeah. who's like just gonna be real irritating but as you, time you'll find that he's he'll become your favorite. <laughs> I agree. I'm feeling that way because yeah. he's definitely been proving himself more and more as time goes by yeah. and different things. I, a good example of this, and this is tough to say, but like, so the the two parents in this that lose their daughter, the Larsons, yeah. I don't really feel, I, I feel bad in the story context. Like obviously if this was a real scenario, I'd feel very bad for these parents right. that lost their kid. But because I never really saw any of their relationship prior to the events of the story or anything about that whenever they showed them like mourning or like grieving and like you know the one lady wants to like kill herself at one point almost it's not relatable yet yeah because it's like well i don't really i, I don't know anything about your relationship i don't know anything i think it'd be harder maybe if i was a parent and i could connect to that better yeah. and there's elements of it that i that i definitely do feel bad for them as these characters but like I didn't know if they had a good relationship with each other, a bad relationship with them. For every, for all intents and purposes, it almost looked like they had a very distant kind of relationship right. with each other because they just let their daughter kind of wander around right. and do whatever they didn't even call her. So it just that I haven't really related to that story as far as like the politician story of him like trying to win the win the race through right. whatever means necessary. Like that's building on me. But again, there's like relationships there within that cast of people that like, yeah. I don't really care about, Oh, these two are like secretly sleeping with each other. And let me just say they're definitely, definitely, you'll find this out real soon. Playing the long game okay. with this show. Yeah. Let me just say they're playing a too long of a game I gotcha. with the show. And that's part of the reason why I saw how the synopsis has changed a little bit. Yeah. It actually got canceled. Right. Um, after, the well they weren't sure what they're they weren't sure they're going to renew it after the second season they ended up bringing it back and then it got canceled and then it got picked up again by netflix Netflix. it was just kind of like big drama behind it right and that's where i that's where i heard about it i think was the initial time i'd heard about it was that it was being re-released on netflix but i didn't watch it until i got the re-recommendation from my friend yeah um, I do know that based on Rotten Tomatoes, the fourth season's not doing quite as well as far as reviews. Yeah. A lot of people are kind of like the, on season one on Rotten Tomatoes has it at like a hundred percent. Yeah. Whereas season four has it as like, I think a 40 something percent. That's because, yeah, I'll tell you why it's cause it, I think, I think there's probably uh, a feeling of just different, the characters changing a little bit to, okay. to their detriment. Gotcha. Um, but anyways, I, I really enjoyed it and I think. Um, as a whole, what you leave the series coming away from, yeah, is is your connection to the characters more so than what's happening in the stories. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So it, this feels like the the I was trying to figure out before a way to explain it. It feels like a true detective light. Yeah, you know, um, it doesn't go quite as dark as quick and as deep, and there isn't as compelling of an issue behind a lot of the right. characters like there is almost immediately. 
with True Detective, but I think they knew what their endgame was. They knew they had to get this many episodes completed with this much content, and that's it. They're yeah. done. Whereas, like you said, with this, they probably were are trying to stretch it out a little bit and play this slow yeah. game, which I think is to its detriment. Um, yeah, absolutely. One thing I will say about this though is it's if definitely it's a slow burn yeah. a little bit. It's definitely it's got a slower vibe. It's not it's not like a ton of action. Yeah. Um, I will say that. I hate that, Matt. I hate the slow burn. <laughs> the slow burn. I don't want the slow burn. I and want the uh, fast burn. I know exactly. Well, that's what I like about. I mean, there's so many directors that try and do that, and it just annoys me. But like a Christopher Nolan, when he approaches the film, he talks about this. Obviously, this is a show, not a film. But he says like every film, he puts his all into it, mm-hmm. and he tries to make this the absolute best that it can be. Yeah. And you want as if it's his last. I have much more. Yeah, I have much more respect for somebody that lets the story. Obviously, this is super new, so I don't want to just bash on it without having seen more of it. But, like, let the story tell itself. And then if you need more content, then so be it. But, like, just play the story out the way that it should play out. Don't try and just get more content out of the, it um, than what's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, the biggest, one of the big, coolest things about the show, even though it's kind of depressing in a sense, is the atmosphere. Yeah. It's all Seattle. Everything's dark. Everything's wet. Everything's gray. Yeah. And it, that adds just kind of the show's somberness. I feel like it it's, it's, it just adds a lot to that. Yeah. It's like Seattle, where they're doing all this stuff at, is in fact like its own character I, I feel like at this point it feels like they're playing up too much this whole like one girl getting murdered thing which not they're playing it up <laughs> I don't mean that like they're they're over exaggerating it I mean that like you could get that resolved by the end of the first season yeah. and still have content there with good characters yeah. to drive it on to a next a next season like a good example would be Stranger Things you know what I mean there's a lot of content there in that first season and crazy things happen and people die and then then all kind of gets resolved at the end of the first season but the effects of the first season the yeah. way that things progress then push the story forward in the next season yeah you know what i mean because they could have in in stranger things they could have left that kid spoilers you know they could have left him disappeared and they don't know where he's yeah, at yeah, and yeah. you know they didn't get anything with the demogorgon figured out you know but no they resolved things yeah and it doesn't feel like they're going to resolve anything anytime yep. soon with this show and that's kind of ticking me off yeah, we'll talk about that later. I'll All give right. you some spoiler lowdown later. Maybe right. give you some insight. But I could be like way off base here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll like watch the next episode and be like, "What? Yeah, yeah, yeah." They just fixed everything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess is there anything else you want to add to that? Nope. That's okay. it. I'll keep watching. Yeah, keep watching. Maybe get a final thoughts when it's all done and stuff like that. Sure. But um, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for our tube talk segment. Wrap it um, up. Again, if if you if you guys want to get connected with us, you can find us at uh, realreviewmedia.com. You can email us. Let us know what your thoughts. If you got if you saw the killing um, or if any of the movies we were talking about earlier, email us at realreviewmedia at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook uh, slash realreviewmedia and then also Instagram and Twitter at realreviewmedia as well. Um, but yeah, get connected with us. Let us know what's up and, uh, anything else you want to add, Joel? No, I think I'm, I'm good to go. Good sir. to go. Well, Hey, Mr. Bubbles, it's been real. Oh, come on. I forgot your nickname. <laughs> 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 McGiff of FF. Okay. Yeah. It's been real. <laughs>